This is a very interesting time in the history of the nation of Israel. It's fa- in fact, it's between two different sets of tablets. Uh, not the kind you're thinking, okay? <laughs> two different sets of stone tablets that God gave to Moses. Now Moses, most of us know, but I don't want to assume that everybody knows this, but Moses has been chosen to be the leader of the nation of Israel. Moses did not feel qualified to do that. You can read for yourself all of that uh, interaction that takes place and, and how he felt that he wasn't suited for the job and all of that. But God has chosen Moses to lead them. God has already, uh, at this point, God has brought Israel out of Egypt. They were in Egypt for many hundreds of years and now they are, they are on the way to the promised land. The promised land. And as we know from other messages and reading of God's word, the, the promised land does not picture heaven. The promised land does not picture heaven. So, what does the promised land picture? It pictures the victorious Christian life. The reason why I say it does not picture heaven is because when they got to the promised land, they still had battles to face. When I go to heaven, and when you go to heaven if you're saved, I can guarantee you one thing. I'm not fighting any battles. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, You should be saying amen right there. Uh, No more battles. No more fighting with sin. No more temptation when we get to heaven. And so, uh, but the promised land was for the nation of Israel, and it was a great place. I'm not saying it wasn't a great place, but it's a picture of the victorious Christian life. Moses had been given a set of laws. We refer to them as the Ten Commandments. When he came down off of the mountain after receiving the first tablets of the Ten Commandments, he found the nation of Israel uh, participating in things that they had no business participating in. In fact, it was so bad that they were dancing, they were partying, partying, there we go, can't get that word out, and while he's getting the law, all of this has taken place. Turn back in your Bible, if you will, to chapter 32. The Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, verse 1, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron. Now, Aaron is Moses' brother. And notice what they say to Aaron. Up, make us gods. Small g. Notice what they say. Uh, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. We don't know what's happened to him. He's been gone for 40 days. When is he coming back? I mean... We need, to, we need something to worship. Which is another indicator that God created us with a desire to worship. God put that in your heart. God put that in my heart. Let's continue reading. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings. They brought them to Aaron. I'm kind of <coughs> reading quickly. Verse 4, He took them and received them out of their hand. He fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel. They were literally days from leaving Egypt. 
And now they've already said, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. What gods were they referring to? They were referring to this golden calf that they had made with their own hands. And when Aaron saw it, verse 5, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. I just love the, uh, just the, anyway, the wording there. Have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly. Out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf. And notice, here it is. Verse 8. They have worshipped it. Their worship changed. That quickly. From worshipping the one true God, and that one true God bringing ten plagues. Miraculous plagues. One right after the other. Not only that, but this one true God brought them to the Red Sea. And then they began to say to Moses even, what did you bring us out here for? Just to bring us to this? The Egyptians are coming. Pharaoh's coming. And God opens that Red Sea up. They walk across on dry ground. And they witness all of these things. And, and now uh, their worship, though, has changed. And it says in verse 8, they have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. That's a key word, by the way. Stiff-necked. It's not from snow shoveling too much. That's from rebellion. Stiff-necked. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a, a great nation. Here's, here's Moses, a prayer of importunity. And he says, Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? <laughs> Do you catch that? God said to Moses, you brought him out of Egypt. Moses says to God, you brought him out of Egypt. With great power, with a mighty hand, he goes on. God didn't... God didn't go through with that. But there was, a, there was a separating. We'll come to that. We won't read all of this. Let's skip ahead. So we come to chapter 33. Now in chapter 34, he's going to go back and get another set of tablets. We won't, that's not the message. But just letting you know, we're kind of in the middle of that. And we learn about this tabernacle of the congregation. Tabernacle of the congregation. I think I've covered a little bit of my introduction already. I forgot to see what was going on here, but... Yeah, we have. What is this tabernacle of the congregation? Well, it's not the tabernacle. That has not been constructed yet. You read in the book of Exodus several chapters, and if you're following along in the reading, uh, one of the reading programs that we're using, we're reading about that uh, tabernacle being constructed even now. But at this time, there is no tabernacle. There is no place of worship like the tabernacle. I'd like to give you several things from our text because, again, we are created for worship. 
But there's something that has to take place. Some key words. Notice in verse 7, if you will, we see the word without. Moses had to take the tent, this tent. And so number one, number one is the separation of worship. The separation of worship. Remember, these are the same people that, while Moses was up on the mountain, went to Aaron and said, Aaron, you know what? We're tired of waiting on Moses. And and Aaron comes up with that crazy idea of making a golden calf. And it's funny if you read the wording of uh, Aaron's explanation to Moses. We didn't do it today, but he basically tells Moses, you know, I threw all this gold in and out came this calf. You know, it just appeared. Well, obviously, you have to graven it. You have to, you have to construct it. It doesn't just come out of the fire. And so, kind of a humorous excuse there from Aaron. But, so, there has to be a separation in our worship. That's why they had to go without the camp. They had to take a tent. They had to take some kind of a tent, and they had to move it outside the camp. Look at verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. At the end of the verse, which was without the camp. Moses sets up this tabernacle, this temporary place of worship. You see, this was an indication of how wicked Israel had been living. It could not be near them. Because they were living in idolatry, still living in sin. There had to be some separation. The tabernacle represented, even this tabernacle of the congregation, represented a place for the people to meet God. By the way, you don't have to come to church to meet God. I'm thankful that we can come to church and we can meet God at church and we can hear from the Holy Spirit. We can do that. But you don't have to come to church to meet God. That doesn't minimize the church and it doesn't minimize your walk with God. But I'll tell you what must take place. If I'm going to have true biblical worship, there must be a separation. I can't be, I can't be going from uh, bar to bar on Saturday night and living like the world. That's an extreme example, okay? I'm giving an extreme example. And then walking into church on Sunday morning and just saying, hey, you know, hey, it's time for worship. No, it doesn't work that way. There's got to be a separation. Now that may not be you, but there might be something in you and in me that we would, we would live a certain way and we would enter into our worship. We would enter into our Bible reading. We would enter into our church, these church services and we would just enter into them just like everything is fine, but we know that there's something in our life. We know that there's a sin in our life that is, that is, uh, uh, we know that our hands are, our, our heart is not clean. We might be saved. We might be on our way to heaven, but we have all this stuff in there. I'm telling you, I'm submitting to you today, it's time that we separate some things. It's time that we separate ourselves from the worldly living. We cannot worship a holy God and be holding on to one hand with the world. It isn't going to work. Moses had to bring that tent outside the camp. There had to be a separation. This is not the tabernacle, of course, that we mentioned, but this is prior to the actual building of it. The word means, this word tabernacle means the place of meeting. The place of meeting. And it was a place where God would meet with the people prior to the tabernacle. I think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and He was crucified outside of Jerusalem. He was crucified outside of Jerusalem. 
In order to come to God, we must go outside of our good works. In order to be saved, we must come outside of our belief system. In order to know that heaven is our eternal home, it isn't about what, our, what, a, what, what a religion says or even a church says necessarily, but it's what does God's word say. And so many people in this world today, they've never gone outside of, well, this is what I've always thought. This is what I've always believed. This is what I've always been told. And you know what? Uh, That's a shame that we as God's people aren't doing a good enough job with the Lord helping us, of course, to let people know, hey, this is what God's Word said. This isn't even what I've necessarily saying, believe what I say, but let's look at what the Word of God says. There must be a separation. We can't just get saved and add God to one of our little gods. And add God to the shelf. There must be a separation. Jesus came outside of Jerusalem and was crucified. Jews must go outside of Judaism to be saved. Judaism does not save anybody. I must go outside of my good works to be saved. Notice what it says here about them. And it came to pass, excuse me, verse 7, halfway through. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord... Everyone which sought the Lord, what's the next two words? Went out. Everyone that sought the Lord went out. That's the separation. That's the separation that you need. That's the separation that I need. If I'm going to worship God, and that's really the theme that God has laid on my heart today, if I'm going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, there's going to have to be some separation. There's going to have to be some time where I say, look, look, this sin, i got to call it what it is. It is sin, and it's not right, and it doesn't allow me to worship God as He saved me to worship Him. They had to go out. When Moses put the temporary tabernacle outside the camp, it meant that everyone who wanted to seek the Lord had some form of separation to make. They had to go out. We can assume that not everyone wanted to do this. Not everyone wanted to seek the Lord, but they had to separate in some sense. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with me or with you, do you know what's going to happen? If I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God work in me, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be separation. Because He's going to reveal things. He's going to reveal whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He's going to reveal that I'm living a life of, of, of no faith. That's a separating. I want to be a man of faith. I, if you're a lady, I hope you want to be a lady of faith. I'm not talking about getting saved. I'm talking about having faith to believe that whatever God is doing, however God is working, that He is good and He's moving me and He's bringing me, He's separating me away from this old world. There must be a separation. What area of your life this morning do you need to separate from? I'm saying this because if you have a heart of worship, if you have a heart of getting close to God, there's no way to get close to God unless I'm willing to separate. I've got to separate from some friends maybe. That doesn't mean you're rude to them and unkind to them. But I, I've got to separate from some music. I've got to separate from some, some internet exposure. I've got to separate from some uh, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is in your life, but 
True worship, if I'm going to worship God as God saved me, I must be willing to come outside. I must be willing to separate. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with any one of us, there will be this separation. It will not be, it will not be paraded. It will not be the Pharisees, I am holier than thou attitude. That's not what we're speaking of. However, once a man, Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is from Martin Lloyd-Jones, no, once a man begins to be burdened for the glory of God and the state of the church, he immediately feels the call to consecration. He goes out as it were. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. The separation of worship. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 23, please. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Notice what he says. Verse 4, 24. Leave. <laughs> Leave. Go outside. Separate. In other words, God says here, Jesus says here, you can't come worship me in spirit and in truth if you've got awe against your brother, if you've got awe against your sister, if there's something between you and another uh, family member or, or uh, another brother or sister in Christ, look what it says here. Leave there thy gift before the altar. And notice, go thy way. In other words, go outside. <laughs> I think we can correlate these two and put them together. You can't stay where you're at, where you're at in your walk, okay? Don't think of physical places, okay? It's a physical place in Exodus, but I think we're we're thinking of it in more of a a spiritual way of application. You can't stay where I am and, and how I'm living my life if I have ought against my brother or if I have sin in my life. Either one, both of them are sin and, and expect God to accept my worship. No, he says, don't even, don't even, don't even go. Don't even start. He says in verse 24, go thy way first. Circle that word first. First. Well, I just, I want to live for God and I want to, I want to worship God and I want to do this. Hey, great, but first. First things first. You ever wonder why you, you try to live for God and you run into the wall about a month later? Boom. You ever wonder why you read your Bible for about a month and then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall and you stop reading your Bible? You ever wonder why you're faithful to God for a little while and and praise the Lord for even a little while? But we want to get beyond that. We want to grow beyond that. Do you know know why that happens? It happens because we we need to separate from some things. We need to listen to Jesus' words and first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Then come worship me. Can you imagine a holy God? And we walk into his presence with all this unconfessed sin, bitterness, anger, wrath, gossip. And we walk into his presence and expect him to expect him to expect to get a hearing from a holy God? I can tell you right now, it's not happening. 
He even says in His Word that our, uh, our, our sins and our iniquities have separated. It's just, we, we might as well just be talking into the air. Because sin gets in the way. This is why God said, let me deal with it. And Moses interceded on behalf of him. I want to encourage us today. I, I, hope we're, I hope we're listening to the Spirit of God because this is, this is I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this because God gave it to me in my life and I needed it. And it's the idea of not just going through my Christian life as I always have. Going across and coming up to the same problems every time. Why is that? I think it could be because there, there needs to be a separation in our worship. What else do we see here? Number two, several other things jump out. Let's go back to Exodus 33. So we have the separation of worship, and then number two, we have the society of worship. The society of worship. Who's there? Well, in this particular case, we see two specific people that are there. Turn over to uh, Exodus 34, please. Exodus 34. And verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels. Isn't that a great word? Way better than the movie company, okay? I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which, among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. This is a conversation between Moses and the Lord. We go back to our text, chapter 33. Who's there in this temporary tabernacle? Look at verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. We know that Moses did not see God because the Bible tells us elsewhere that it is impossible to see God, at least the face of God. It means that he spoke to Moses openly, as I would speak to you openly, or you would speak to me openly. And Moses leaves. I could not get beyond this next statement. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, notice what it says about him. A young man. A young man. This is not Joshua, the leader of the people. He's not there yet, but he's a young man. I see this society of worship. I see this 
this society. It's, it's a small society in the sense of there's other people worshiping, but I'm, I, really God spoke to me about something that here we have Moses, the, the aged one, and everything like that, and he's there, but there, there's somebody in that tent with him. A young man. A young man by the name of Joshua. If you know the Bible, you know what happens with this young man, but it hadn't happened yet, and he didn't know it was happening yet. And You know, we have the advantage of turning ahead to Joshua chapter 1. So turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, verse 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, Joshua 1, 1. Now after the death of Moses, that was the, that was the first person we looked at, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto who? Joshua. The son of Nun. Moses' minister. Saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And he goes on and basically commissions Joshua. Verse um, 5, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, I will not, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Which Moses my servant commanded thee. Not which I commanded thee, but which Moses my servant commanded thee. You see that? There's a mentorship here. There's something about the older Moses and the young man Joshua. It goes all the way back to this tent. What, was, what seeds were planted in the heart of that young man, Joshua? How young was he? We don't know, but it says he was a young man. But he was, he was soaking it all up. He was watching. Watching intently. I love what it says about Joshua back, I know we're jumping around here, but in, in chapter 33 of Exodus, in verse 11... It says, and a, it says that Joshua, a young man, departed not. I circled those two words. I found that to be very intriguing. So Moses leaves this temporary tent. I don't know if Joshua's kind of standing in the background, you know. He's taking it all in, though. I mean, you know, didn't have a phone to record any of it. But that would have been what would have been happening. I mean, I'm getting the best footage I've ever had. Can you, I'm not gonna, this is going to be amazing. This young man is standing back there and he's watching. He's watching Moses. Inter- Think about this. He's watching Moses interact with God. And we say, wow. And I say, wow. <laughs> as far as we know, that's the only people that were in the tent. God, Moses, and Joshua. And look at the impact that it had on this young man. That in Joshua chapter 1, God says, okay, you're the leader now. You're in charge now. 
Don't forget what Moses told you. Turn to Joshua 24, please. Joshua 24. And verse 31. I'll read verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And it tells where they buried him. Verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had known all the works of the Lord that he, Joshua, had done for Israel. Now, Moses did not lead the people into the promised land. There was a reason for that. That's really not the message today. But Joshua did. When we consider this society of worship, what we're saying is, it's very important that we follow this progression within the text because I believe it all fits together like a beautiful puzzle. And without it following in that order, we're going to miss some steps. Joshua was watching Moses. He was watching him. Obviously, Moses was not a perfect man. He was watching him, though. He was taking it all in. Bible says that Joshua was a young man. We have some young men here today. I don't know what aged young men are, but maybe you're a young man today. I guess I'm still a young man, but not really. I think it's too, too late. Too late. Not a young man anymore. But I wonder, you know, I was very... Um, I was very convicted by this verse. How many young men? Now, we keep our eyes on the Lord, yes, but you know what? God has brought so many men in my life, leaders and men and ladies as well, that have influenced me for Christ. But I wonder how many men, how many young men are, are watching me and how many young men have maybe... My testimony hasn't been the best. And it greatly challenged me. I want to be a faithful middle-aged man. Because there are people that are, we are bringing in with our worship. It might be your son. It might be your daughter. They may be in the background. They may be in the shadows. But they're watching you worship. What does it look like? I hope that your heart right now is sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Not in the leading of the pastor, but in the leading of the Spirit. Because they're in that tent. And their eyes are open. And they're watching. Don't ever say it's too late. I've made too many mistakes. No, no, no. There's no better time than the present to realize that you have a society watching you. 
children, spouse, family of God. Here we have a society of worship. Yes, worship is personal. But while Moses was worshiping, there was a young Joshua taking notes. Someday God would say, Joshua, I need you to step up now. Moses didn't even get to go into the promised land. But Joshua did. Oh, may it be that way that we have people that we're influencing. They don't have to be your own family. The family of God. Let's look at one other thing. We go back to our text. So we have the the society of worship. We have the the uh, scope of worship. Number three, the scope of worship. Verse eleven. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Wow. Do you know God like that? Do I know God like that? Like somebody having a cup of coffee and just chatting. That's the relationship they had. Verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight. This is Moses speaking to God. Show me now thy way. That I may know what? Thee. You know what he did not say? He did not say that I may know thy way. He said that I may know thee. And if I know thee, being God, the scope of my worship, meaning how how broad is my worship? How well do I really know God? Is it just, you know what? Let's go to church, sing our three hymns, hear the preacher for 40 minutes, close the Bible, and that's it for my week. Or is it every day we get a chance to open God's Word and we get to broaden our scope of worship to where we know God in such a way that it's personal. It's not that, yeah, that's Pastor Turner's God. No, he's my God. It's Blake's God. He's Blake's God. And he says, I want to know thee, but I don't want to, I want to know thy way. But then he says that I may know thee. That I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. I will give thee rest. Look, look at that worship. Look at what the scope of worship brings. It brings rest. How many of us could say, I need some rest, and I'm not talking about you shoveled for five hours this morning, okay? Better get some of that rest this afternoon. But in the, in the Christian life, if we're, if we're bouncing around, you know, like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, think about that. That's not how God wants us to live the Christian life. He wants us to live it in rest. I don't have to be worked up all the time. 
I don't have to be worried all the time. I don't have to be fretting all the time. By the way, those are all sins. Oh, I can rest. Do you know how I rest? I rest as my scope of worship of God grows. I know God in a greater way. And the peace that passeth all understanding will keep my heart and mind, as we looked at on Friday night. Notice what he says. Verse 15, Moses says, And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be what? Separated. I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 17, last verse here, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. Folks, let's not for a minute think that we can't have this kind of worship with God in 2023. This is not just for Exodus 33 Moses. We can have this kind of scope of worship with God. But again, remember, 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 it starts with the separation. You can't bring a dirty heart and dirty hands into the presence of God and have this kind of communication going on at the same time. It's not going to work. James 4, 8. Would you turn there quickly? James 4, 8. Just about there. We're just about done. Twelve fifteen. I'm not used to preaching at twelve fifteen anymore with this time change. I'm like, man, I've been preaching a long time. Oh, we started at eleven. Never mind. See if you're awake. Stomach's probably getting a little hungry, huh? James four eight. Draw nigh to God. That's worship. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Scope of our worship. J. Oswald Chambers said this, and I really just was, again, captivated by it. He said, every one of us is as close to God as he has chosen to be. Every one of us is as close to God as he has chosen to be. How close have you chosen to be to God? It's your choice. It's my choice. One more passage. Hebrews 1. The scope of our worship. The society of our worship. The separation of our worship. Hebrews chapter 1. May God speak to my heart. I'm so thankful that God 
made a way for us to Him. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, that means many ways, many manners, spake in time past. Okay? So that would be before you and before me. Unto the fathers by the prophets. Verse 2. Hath in these last days, that would be you and me, spoken unto us by His Son, Jesus Christ, who He hath appointed, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the world. God doesn't speak to us in the same way. Yes, He speaks to us, but in time past, it was through the prophets because they were everything was pointing up to Christ. And now that Christ has come and He has lived a sinless life and He has gone to the cross and He has died vicariously for you and He's me and He's risen again, God speaks to us through His Son. God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. We live in a day where we can have this friendship. This friendship, if you will. The Bible said that God looked at Moses as his friend. The tabernacle of the congregation. Which part of this worship Trilogy, separation, society, scope. Again, you can get as close to God. You can be able to hear God through His Word, through His Spirit. You can. It's up to you. It's up to me. As close as we want to. But again, separation. Don't forget, somebody's in the tent watching you worship. Somebody's in the tent maybe watching you not worship. May God challenge us.